This is William Hung, and you're listening to the Society Show. Broadcasting live to tape across the nation and the world from the Lorena Bobbitt Theater, where bathrooms are for customers only. Beautiful North Seattle. It's the podcast for a world gone mad. This is The Society Show. And now, your host, a man who would have died storming the Bastille, Christian Patterson. Hello, my name is Christian. This is The Society Show. Do you believe in society's laws? This is the... Halloween episode. Happy Halloween. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. I am joined today with a second time guest, John Carroll. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Christian. Thank you very much for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Glad it's the second time. Um, I think this will be a really good episode for Halloween. And um, I do want to start just with a real quick personal anecdote. Like, I've been exposed to so much COVID lately, and I don't think (laughs) I've gotten it. I've gotten a lot of tests. But uh, yeah, like three people at my work had it, and my fiance's um, nearest co-worker just found out she had it. So... We'll Ooh, see. that's rough. <laughs> yeah. I don't view it as an act of God. I would view it as uh, as uh, something that just surprised the whole world. But um, I, I will say, you know, have you have he, have you had COVID or any close calls? No, thankfully, no, no, no COVID, no, uh, no close calls or anything like that. Thankfully. But yeah, I, I think, and plus no one in my immediate family has either, thankfully. Um, we've just been lucky because I feel like at this point it's kind of luck. As much as you try to avoid it and, you know, mask, hand sanitizer, you know, social distance, even with the vaccine, you know, it kind of sucks, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I also don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of getting a little tired of talking about COVID. I'm almost like I just want to not hear about it for a while, even if I catch it. Just stop. Take a break from hearing about it. Yeah, for real. It's like I, I just wanted to just stay out of the news cycle it's like something we deal with i just don't want to talk about it It, like like the common cold it's like something we still have to deal with but i don't want to have to talk about it and think about it every single day yeah well having said that i uh, do have a quiz prepared for you and it you know, it is related to diseases that are not COVID. So, um, I am going to name several diseases, and they will either be extremely rare or fictional. All you gotta do is guess if it's rare or fictional. That sounds awesome. I, I'm fully prepared to 
I think I can suss them out because I feel like with fictional diseases, you can uh, these writer types, they don't really know how to they're not science guys. They don't really know how to make a real, real disease name. It's usually like a um, bone bone lessening um or was it was bonitis that's from futurama yeah i'm thinking of on um i almost included this but on curb your enthusiasm groats oh yeah <laughs> groat syndrome or whatever gross yeah um but yeah i think this one shouldn't be too easy so uh let's get into it it'll only be eight questions awesome number one boomerang dysplasia boomerang dysplasia has to be real there's no way that's fake that is correct and let me guess does that have to do with actual is it with a muscle that has to do with throwing a boomerang or is that bs or is that am i dumb for saying that no it i mean that's it's not dumb but it's actually a bone disease where your arms and legs are malformed into the shape of a boomerang oh wow okay great that's uh on the nose but good on them <laughs> yes okay good job on that one uh number two Porphyric hemophilia. Porphyric hemophilia. That sounds like something from a vampire movie, so I'm going to say I'm fake. That is correct. It's an, uh -oh. It is not from a movie, however. Do you want to guess what else it may be from? It might. It sounds like a I, second guess is video game. Yeah, it is actually the disease that causes vampirism in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Oh, wow. See, I've never played Oblivion past, like, a little bit of it, so dang. Okay, wow. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did a good job with that. I think that's a nice name for vampirism. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I thought that one might throw you off a little bit because it sounds more legit. It does, yeah. You got the, the hemophilia, is that, at the <laughs> yeah. end? I mean, that literally just means, like, love of blood. But <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Again, on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, number three, we have turtle pox. Turtle pox. Oh, my God. Turtle pox sounds real. That has to be real. That is incorrect Ooh, you gotta tell me what it is <laughs> it's from the 1987 teenage mutant ninja turtles movie wow turtle pox okay what did the what uh, what, what was the context for that or wait it, it might not be from the movie it says a d a disease the turtles suffer from um in quote the making of metal heads so it, maybe it's an episode of the cartoon Oh, that sounds like the cartoon. Yeah. I, I'd wager to guess. L yes, hmm. for season three, episode 35, Krang and Shredder program Metalhead, a robotic fighting machine to capture the turtles who are already battling a case of turtle pox. That sounds great because you get the whole thing where they're they're fighting 
the metal head, the metal guy, but they're, they, you know, they got the, the little thing on there. They got the thermometers. They got the <laughs> bag of ice on their head. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm dying just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you got two out of three. Number four, Ewing sarcoma. Ewing sarcoma. That sounds real. That is correct. Ooh, okay. I uh, that sounds grim. It sounds like a deadly disease. Is that so? Yeah, so all I could really gather is it's a specific type of cancer that can be um like a bone or soft tissue tumor, but I'm not really sure what technically makes it unique. It's just I mean, but it is cancer, so Damn. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was I wish it was fake, man. I wish it was fake. I know, no kidding. Um <laughs> but uh, so that's 3 out of 4. Number 5, Hawaiian cat flu. Hawaiian cat flu. You got to be fu- you got to be kidding me. <laughs> that's I feel like Hawaiian cat flu might be something in a comedy show. A comedy program. So, I think that is fictional. That is correct. It is fictional. Thank God. If that was, if if I guessed real, I would have been mad at myself. Um. So I'm gonna read the description of the disease, and I think you'll be able to guess what it's from. So, it's Perfect. it's a rare disease only contracted by cats. Its symptoms include a voracious appetite. A craving for Hawaiian food, crankiness, and a compulsion to wear Hawaiian shirts and hula dance. There's only one person. There's only one feline that could I I can imagine that, and that is the big G A R F I E L D Garfield baby. Yeah, that is correct. It is Hell from yeah. Garfield. I wanted to give Garfield a Jeff Jarrett entrance. That's right. yeah that's good okay (laughs) so um you have four out of five correct number six rat bite fever rat bite fever that can't okay so you got cat scratch fever that's a given rat bite fever that's got to be fucking that's got to be some 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 first pass at a disease you could easily see that first pass of disease in the writer's room of, of some cartoon. So I'm going to I'm going to say fictional rat bite rat bite fever. Yeah, rat bite fever. Um, that is incorrect. It is oh, real. God damn. Oh, wow. Yes. Please. What is rat bite fever? Well, it's an acute human illness caused by bacteria transmitted by rodents. I, I mean, it seems like it just has a lot of, you know, like fever, fatigue, um, nausea, those type of symptoms. But it's actually incredibly uh, rare. Ooh, okay. Is it one of those diseases that has been like eradicated mostly through modern medicine? Do you know? Um. Well... Let me see. I actually want to look up more about it. No, I don't think it's eradicated. I just think it's um quite rare. Um, oh. 
and you, I mean, you usually don't die from it, but the interesting thing is there's just not a lot about it online. And in fact, really, I'm looking at the risks right now. The only people who are at risk for this is people who own rats or are basically just near rats at any time. Also, it's called RBF, which is also resting bitch face, which is pretty good. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the one interesting thing I'm seeing is that most cases occur in Japan. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's rat bite fever. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's bad, but it's funny. Uh, You know, it sounds like completely, you know, it's like... uh, there's all these diseases that sound made up. It's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so that leaves you at four out of six. Still pretty good, and I think you can uh, make it up at the end. Uh, number seven, Pentasomy X. Pentasomy X. X, right out the bat, fictional. Just going to say it, fictional. That is incorrect no no what is pentasomy x sounds like charles xavier just introduced it to the to his team he's going to genosha to eradicate it what is what is pentecostal x what is it (laughs) pentecostal yeah so it's a uh, pentasomy x it's a chromosomal disorder in which a female has five rather than two copies of the x chromosome oh wow i wonder what that entails in 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 genetics for her um i think it can be pretty bad um but i mean you'll survive but you typically will have like heart defects and um intellectual like disability i guess but and i'm assuming there's several other anomalies but i think you'd be okay just disabled damn honestly sounds like that would really suck yeah, it it does. Yeah, Damn. I know that. Like, there's some women who have three X chromosomes, and it, a lot of the time they don't even know it because it only makes minor differences. Like, they might be like slightly dimmer than average, and like oh. slightly <laughs> taller than average, or something. Oh, interesting. Okay. Genetics are pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting field, I'd say. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. <laughs> but it can also be uh, something. A tool you know. for racism. <laughs> yes. For, for uh, very awful, fervent, fervent racism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this last one, number eight, I think I uh, saved the. Uh, Funniest sounding one for last, in my opinion. Diminished gluteal syndrome. Diminished gluteal. Wow. Breaking that down, diminished, small, tiny. Got that. Gluteus, butt, small butt syndrome. That's... <laughs> oh, okay. Mm, I have. I don't, I, I don't think I actually watched the episode, but I think that's the episode that Hank Hill has a small butt. Is that your guess? That is my guess. That is correct. 
Nice. In its entirety, that is that is from King of the Hill. Wow. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, that's a, that's a, okay. That's a funny one. A small butt disease. Honestly, yeah. I never knew it had a name. So that's, I, I might have to actually sit down and watch the episode now. Have you watched a lot of King of the Hill? Like a lot of like random episodes. It's, 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 it was never the show that I would like put on and like watch all the way through. King of the Hill is, I, I always appreciated the show, but it was never my first choice because I was mostly a Simpsons guy, I would say. I feel that. Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of King of the Hill through high school. I feel like it's one of those shows that I've seen every episode, but not like in order necessarily. So like a, a couple may have slipped through the cracks. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um Right? And then and then a while it was just taken off of everything, so it's like you couldn't watch it for a while. So Yeah, but right now it's on Hulu, I think, right? Oh yeah, I think it is. I think it is on Hulu. Yeah. Um well so you got five out of eight. I that cha- that was a little more challenging than I thought it would be, but I'm I'm glad mm-hmm. about that. I like when my quizzes are thought provoking. Yes, I I had a, I had a nice time doing it, and, and anytime a quiz is like thought provoking, I always feel like it's it's it, it always brings out more interesting answers. <laughs> Absolutely. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast, the ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt. From my electrode. Well, you know, it is a Halloween episode, and uh, we kind of brainstormed ahead of time what interesting things we'd want to talk about for Halloween. And, you know, Houdini did die on Halloween, and he died under mysterious circumstances. So um, I would like to mm-hmm. talk about Houdini and his death. But uh, before I kind of get into it, do you have any preliminary thoughts on Houdini? I was never a big Houdini buff. He was always kind of like this interesting, uh, like Americana, kind of like American entertainment figure before like film and like all of that, like like true like vaudevillian um, acts. And I think that just like that position, like that place in history and in American history, I think he's just an interesting figure. And what he did was like, I feel like kind of brown breaking to the, you know, magic acts these days. I feel like everyone does the, you know, escape from the chains, escape from underwater, stuff like that. Uh, So I think he was kind of like a, a big deal. Yeah, I really didn't know much about him, but uh, he seemed like a pretty interesting character, actually. Um, it, I I have an anecdote from his life that I'd like to go into if you, if you want that. I'd love that. Yeah, so what I found interesting about him is that he never claimed he had supernatural powers, and he uh, was like, kind of resentful of any type of like spiritualism and you know kind of like on arrested development like they're illusions hang on a sec that's part of your trick right no that's not my trick michael 
It's my illusion. It's like that. <laughs> that's how I imagine it. <laughs> yes, that that same treating it the same level of respect. <laughs> yeah, because he felt like supernatural scammers kind of weakened um, his abilities, I guess. But um, yeah, so he actually flirted with the idea of the supernatural a little bit. Like he sought a psychic to speak to his dead mom when he was young and he was like super resentful that it didn't work. So part of it might have been like personally motivated. <laughs> I mean, any good, every good guy has a skill that he learned just because to do revenge on people. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he, he went as far as like he'd go undercover to seances and like learn what they actually do and then replicate them at his shows to make a mockery of them. So, like, I almost <laughs> imagine him a little bit like, um, What's his name? Oh, the amazing Randy, that like magician who tries to like debunk uh, stuff. Do you know who I mean? Yes. Yeah, I I I know you're talking about. Yeah, he had like an element to that too. Kind of Pin and Teller are the same. How they're like kind of edge lord atheists um, (laughs) about their illusions. Yeah, it's like, hey, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this is a trick, but there's no, there is no God, but it is a trick. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, so there is kind of a more interesting thing on top of all of that. So Arthur Conan Doyle, the the writer of Sherlock Holmes, um, he thought Houdini had supernatural powers, even though Houdini denied that. And Doyle's wife, Lady Doyle, invited Houdini to a seance because they wanted to speak to their dead son who died in the 1918 Spanish flu. Wow. (laughs) And so he, of course, went along with it. Is that right? He did because... um, Arthur Conan Doyle's wife claimed she could channel Houdini's mom, which uh, is already established something he was interested in. So she wrote 15 pages supposedly channeling his mom. And then when Houdini read the letters, he was outraged because (laughs) (laughs) this is so funny. The note was written in English, but his mom only knew Hungarian. Wow. Wow. (laughs) The one base you should cover and just wasn't covered. But it's also weird. Like, would a ghost only know one language? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Can you learn different languages when you're dead? Do do the dead speak a language? (laughs) I feel like the dead mostly speak just in like general vibes and concepts and then you like put it into your own language oh okay see that kind of makes sense because it's like you know uh dang okay wow that's too deep man that's way too deep (laughs) well i know for me you know like i know i've heard like some people when they think they like hear a voice speaking the thoughts and sentences but for me i don't know like i've always just like thought of something vaguely and then put words to it as they come out. I, I don't know how, where you fall on that. No, actually, 
I mean, the way you explained that, I, I'm kind of that same way. Yeah, it's the it's the, the the symbol is in your mind, and then you put it into the 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 the, the words. Yeah, I'm yeah. Cause I remember seeing like stuff on Twitter about like, oh, people think in this or that way. You know, you know how people on Twitter are. Mm. Making generalizations. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so let's get into. Oh, and one other thing I forgot to say about um, his like vendetta against mediums. Uh, right before his death, he was actually beginning to lobby to make it illegal for people to predict the future for compensation. <laughs> wow. He he was he really wow yeah I kind of wish he kind of pulled through that I mean <laughs> yeah, we right? <laughs> uh, the a whole industry could have collapsed with with him doing that there would have been no Miss Cleo without this if this pulled through <laughs> I know damn it it probably would have been repealed eventually anyway though true yeah by some um, by some psychic lobbyists <laughs> yeah big psychic. Big psychic is so annoying. The, the gym badge is very hard to, to acquire. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, Houdini did end up dying on Halloween 1926. To just give a... I'll go more into the details of his death, but to give the very brief overview, he performed a show a couple of days before Halloween and collapsed immediately after um, then he had an emergency appendix removal uh, that night, but his ruptured appendix had already poisoned his body, and then he died on Halloween. There's a lot more to get to, but like, um, is there anything you think we should bring up right at the top? Uh, I guess kind of like as the story goes on, we'll kind of get into it. Uh, but yeah, he just kind of... Uh, it just kind of he died he 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 was doing his acts and then something happened and then he died and then he died in detroit of all places he it was funny i would actually like to bring this up he died or at least the theater that he collapsed in it was in downtown detroit if any of you detroit heads are listening out there the theater that he was in was across the street from what is now, well, I guess it was back then, but the American Lafayette and the American and the Lafayette uh, uh, Coney Islands. And uh, if you know anything about Detroit, Coney Islands, Coney dogs are like a big thing here. And like those are, that's like the debate. It's like the American versus Lafayette. Um Coney Islands, but uh, yeah, uh, that was the theater. It's kind of like it's this cool. I think it's a cool Detroit story. I I mean, creepy, I guess, because he died on Halloween, but an interesting Detroit story. Yeah, so American and Lafayette are different ba- brands for Coney Islands, is what you're saying. Exactly. Well, b- I guess brands is kind of an interesting way to put it. It's like uh, restaurants. It's like okay. they have a couple different locations but it's like those are like the it's like a family businesses it's like family diners kind of so it's kind of like Geno's and pats yeah yeah. that's that's a good that's a i think that's i that's a fair comparison i'd say 
okay got it yeah yeah it is definitely a detroit story um i mean but he does go a lot of places he was a traveling performer so like on october 11th so 20 days before he died he was in albany new york and he was uh, shackled into a chinese water torture cell which is basically like a large box with foot straps at the top and you're strapped down by your legs like face down underwater and during the stunt excuse me Two big burps, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so during the stunt, his leg was like struck somehow by faulty equipment. I don't really know what happened, but he later learned that he fractured his ankle and he never got treated for it. So like that's an element to his death that uh, you should keep in mind that he had like this badly um, injured and untreated ankle. Yeah, he he fractured it, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so um, against doctor's orders, he traveled to Montreal and gave a lecture at McGill University. His lecture was about, like, pseudoscience and uh, psychics and stuff. And then, so on October 22nd, he... So this is now, like... Nine days before his death, he invited McGill students uh, to visit him in his dressing room. And um, this is a very important detail. A student named Jay Gordon Whitehead asked Houdini if it was true that he could resist punches. Um, and Houdini said, yes, that's true. And Whitehead, like, abruptly, and this is, like, quoting from a witness, um, quote, delivered four or five terribly forcible, deliberate, well-directed blows to his stomach. And Houdini was, like, on the couch. He didn't have any time to prepare, so it was, like, extremely painful. Um, what This is a very crucial part to this. And at the time, people um, were like, he, he basically murdered Houdini. Like, um, so what are your thoughts on the puncher, Jay Gordon Whitehead? I, I just think he was just some kind of loudmouth big head who just came in thinking, oh, I'm going to test Houdini's skills and then just just whips him, just bops him right in the stomach a couple times. I think that's the biggest, uh, one of the biggest douchebags in history right there. Like uh, one of the biggest jerks, I would say, in history for killing Houdini like that. Um, a real asshole, real asshole move. <laughs> Yeah, and his name, too. It's just such a douchey name, Jay Gordon Whitehead. Jay Gordon Whitehead is either a big douchebag who kills Houdini or someone in an early 90s indie rock band. <laughs> yes. He plays a very good distorted guitar. Yeah, he was like in Sonic Youth. Yes, or yeah, pavement. he played fourth guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then... Um, you know, Houdini was like sick as hell, basically dying when he took a train to Detroit. Um, and he did his show, collapsed immediately after the final curtain, which is crazy. Like he had a temperature of 104. And then, like I said, he had an, a 
appendicitis, but at that point, like, um, it had already ruptured several days earlier and, like, poisoned his inside. So he was, and then he still lived a few days after that. So that was probably an incredibly painful way to die. I can't imagine. He, he really had to have been suffering just that whole month of October from like the ankle to just your appendix. I can't imagine just his appendix about to rupture that whole time. Um, but yeah, he was, he, he, he like, I mean the fact that he went through the performance in Detroit, like on death's door is really, really sad. Also kind of admirable because it's like you really admire like the performance of it. It's like even though it literally killed him, it's it's fucking it's it's it makes me feel complicated. Just think like imagining him in pain about to die, but still wanting to put on that show. Yeah, it reminds me. I watched this like short documentary once about um, how speedboat racing they believe that they've kind of reached the fastest speed you could reach in a boat before like the physics just get way too wonky and you inevitably die and but there's still people who try to beat that record and it's like well like they kind of know that they will probably die trying but like that's what they want to do and I can't really like fault them for that you know like they know way yeah. better than i do their what their fate would probably be yeah that's it's like they they understand the the risks to it so yeah yeah but um there is one detail about this that i, I want to point out um so for a long time the prevailing belief has been that jay gordon whitehead um basically b- ruptured his his appendix by punching him but um they have since researched appendicitis a lot more and have learned that only one out of one person in 20 years in the entire world ever had a ruptured appendicitis from like blunt force trauma. So uh, the conclusion is that even though like he was already injured, his ankle was like shattered. um, The punches probably didn't actually cause the appendicitis. Hmm. Interesting. But at the same time, it almost doesn't matter because all of those things kind of compounded. Um, and the fact that he didn't it, seek any treatment, it's like a mixture of bad luck and just like several things happening at once. Yes, that's true. And then kind of going back to the spiritualism part of it of how he kind of liked to debunk mediums um there was a rumor also that uh i'm not sure if you're going to talk about this christian but he was also poisoned by this i i i I don't know the actual organization but like the organization of spiritual like mediums at the time because of his work trying to debunk the whole uh uh you know um fortune telling industry it was the rumor that they poisoned him as well 
Yeah, so I did hear about that rumor, and um, but the thing that made me not focus on it as much is it seemed like a lot of people thought that he was poisoned when he was at the hospital, like by someone disguised as like medical staff. Um, there might be oh. other theories as well, but I was just like, well, he already seemed like he was going to die by the time he got to the hospital. So, I mean, I don't know how much credence there is to it, but there definitely was a lot of people who believed that. Yes. As ridiculous as it may be, there were there were the crazy rumors. Yeah, there was also a rumor that um, Whitehead was a paid assassin um, to kill Houdini by, like, the spiritual lobby. But at the same time, like, punching someone a few times in the gut is, like, the most inefficient way to uh, assassinate (laughs) someone. Yeah, that's, like, bottom of, that's short of just, like, slapping them. (laughs) <laughs> slapping him yeah. on the face yeah yeah absolutely. i don't think john wick just punched someone in the stomach of five times i don't think that was <laughs> how he did things no <laughs> yeah so i mean it, he again he seems like an interesting guy like you know sometimes you hear about historical figures and you're like well, their personality doesn't really seem to matter or stand out, but like, I feel like I kind of get Houdini's personality a little bit. Yeah, you you really like when you really under when you understand like what he was trying to do and what he was trying to say, and especially where he was coming from of of like kind of like exposing that kind of like bullshit of of uh, talking to the dead. I think, you know, you really understand where he was coming from. And I think he he was a very interesting figure. Yeah. And the last detail I will add before we move on is he, um, even though he was so skeptical of mediums and stuff, he did make a pact with his wife where they made this secret code and they basically told each other, whichever one of us dies first, try to find a medium who can like correctly crack this code because if they're able to do that, then you know that you'd be like talking to me from the other side. Um, And so she tried that for years after to communicate with Houdini and no medium was ever able to crack the code damn wow honestly i think that's just good enough reason to just not believe in god at all (laughs) no but it's like that is like i think that is such a like an interesting fun i mean i guess it's grim in a fun fun in a grim way grim in a fun way i think it's uh yeah honestly i might make that pack too (laughs) <laughs> yeah hey honey time to make our ghost code <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. honey stop get off your phone we're trying to make the ghost code <laughs> yes they did the monster mash, the monster mash. it was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. it caught on in a flash they did the mash. 
they did the monster man. With that, like, I do want to talk a lot about some, like, horror movies and horror media. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge Halloween fan, all in all, but I am a huge horror movie fan. Um, and I have a few in mind that I'd like to talk about, but are there any that are just, like oh, you have to talk about this movie when you when you have the opportunity to. What are those for you? Definitely, I would say the, the one horror movie I always like to bring up is It Follows 2015. Oh, that, yeah, that is a good movie. Yes, I, I'm a big fan of that. I think it's just such a great novel concept. But most importantly, I'm a big Michigan guy. I'm a big, like... I love Detroit and that movie is that movie is just it, it feels very Michigan to me and I, I I hold that very close to my heart I would say um, that I love I, I love it follows I think it's such a fun and the soundtrack is phenomenal uh, the monster's scary yeah I, li- I love to bring up that one always like right off the bat yeah, because it was filmed in Detroit, and but I don't remember them ever specifically saying where it's set, but it does have like a very strong sense of place, especially for a horror movie. Yes, yeah, because it, it's it definitely they they use the locations t- like to the you know. Locations play a big part in the movie, I would say. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. One movie I would like to talk about, because I actually watched it for uh, last night, and it's kind of getting some buzz right now, is uh, Titan, or it's spelled T-I-T-A-N-E. Um, it's French, um, like a French horror movie. Have you seen this? I, I am. I really want to see that. My roommate came home from seeing that movie in the theater, and all he said was, that was one of the craziest movies I've ever seen in my life. You have to see it. You don't have to know anything about it. Just go see it. And I think that's one of the most glowing reviews I've ever heard. Yeah, I will say I'm I'm more lukewarm on it than uh, your roommate is. I thought it was pretty good, but I didn't love it. Um, it is a very crazy movie, though. Um, do you mind if I give some details? But um, go I'll right also, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say that like the movie does kind of drastically change. Uh, about halfway through and so i'll only talk about stuff in the first half but keep that in mind so um Ah. basically it starts with a little girl who um her her dad is like you know yelling at her in the back like put on your seatbelt," and she he's kind of falling asleep while driving and she's kind of trying to keep him awake and um then he like turns around and is like put on your seatbelt," and crashes the car as he does that so she gets this big metallic plate put in her head and then it cuts to her as an adult. She is now one of those like car models at car shows. And, um, and she, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say the setup <laughs> and, and then I'll cut it there. She 
kills several people. She kind of goes on this uh, killing spree, and then she has sex with a car and gets impregnated by it. <laughs> and so that's like not e- that's like the first half of the movie. That's probably like the first twenty minutes, maybe fifteen. Wow. Okay, that moves pretty fast. Uh, yeah, and I'll say that it, the, the weird thing about the pacing is the first half, it's all just like everything is at the same level, just like blasting you with like kind of grotesque sequence after grotesque sequence. And then the second half really kind of slows down and um, it hits different notes. Really? Is it like different? Would you call? Would you say different horror notes, or like does it branch out? Yeah, um, I'll I'll give uh, so I'll give very vague description. <laughs> okay. she, she she has to get away from that life because the police are pursuing her for the spree killing and begins impersonating someone else. Interesting. Okay. Well, my interest is I, okay. That sounds. That's an interesting concept. That's yeah. an interesting. Uh, I guess uh, a structure to a horror movie and a concept too. Yeah, and it is kind of almost hard to call it horror because there is a lot of I would call it grotesque, like grotesque body horror. But there's nothing particularly scary. I guess. Oh. Okay. It's more about the vibes than than uh, than actual like um, jump scares and everything. Yeah, yeah. There's no real jump scares or anything. Yeah, so any other horror movies you'd like to get to? I mean, I have plenty I could talk about. Yes, I recently... I'm trying to think what I recently watched. Actually, no, I'll give another... I'll give another recommendation of my favorite horror movie of all time, I would say. Actually, no, I I don't know. It's kind of hard to say favorite of all time because it's like, honestly, it's one of those things where like a favorite like horror movie especially it's like it changes depends on the mood depends on like especially if it's like halloween i think uh but uh, i think one of the horror classics for me another i guess kind of tangentially michigan movie would be the evil dead series but i like specifically evil dead 2 the most i think that the the, the first evil dead it is the cabin in the woods <laughs> I think it has a lot of charm to it. I think it is a, it is a lot more horror than funny. Uh, I, however, the second one, it, it really like I think it, it it has that nice mix of horror comedy. It's still got the gore. It's got the chainsaw. I think Bruce Campbell is such an, a great leading man in the movie. It's one of the. It's another one of those. It's a one of those like movies that. It's a warm blanket. It's a warm blanket horror movie. I'm not gonna watch it because I don't want to get because uh, I want to get freaked out. I want to watch it because I want to watch a fun 
scary movie that's also funny yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i actually recently watched the evil dead and evil dead 2 um sequentially like in the same night um for the first time only like a few weeks ago so um they're pretty fresh in my mind and Mm. at first i will say like i kind of liked evil dead 1 um about the same as Evil Dead 2, maybe. Um, yeah. But I may have been getting, like, fatigue by, by the end of Evil Dead 2, so that might be shading it. But, I mean, Evil Dead 2 did stick with me more. The thing I wanted to ask you about, though, is what's up with, like, or how do you make sense of at the beginning of Evil Dead 2? Like, the first ten minutes are basically just a synopsis of the first movie, but different (laughs) like a lot of the characters (laughs) are missing and like different stuff happens that is that is one of the more puzzling things about the movie and then it just goes on to just essentially be the same plot as evil dead one (laughs) yeah it's even in the same house (laughs) yeah 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 what the (laughs) so i think it was one of those decisions where there was like we have to kind of do something to tie it to the first one. Otherwise we're calling it evil dead two and it's the same exact movie. So I think it was a kind of <laughs> kind of Sam Raimi kind of ruined himself into a corner there and kind of, I, it kind of feels kind of tacked on. Uh, and then, but then it, I mean, at the same time, it kind of ends similarly with the, with that, like, I don't want to call it like narration, but like I've, I, it's been a while, but like the, um, however it ends, I, I think it, it, it does that job of, uh, uh, um, kind of wrapping it up and kind of like bringing that first part together. But I mean, ultimately it is just a very useless <laughs> kind of, especially cause it doesn't successfully recap that first movie. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because it's like in some ways it is the sequel to the first movie and in other ways it's a remake of the first movie. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. But one th- interesting thing I did learn about it is I have not seen Army of Darkness. Have you? Yes, I, I, I really like Army of Darkness. Yeah, so I I would like to see it, but I learned that Sam Raimi originally wanted Evil Dead 2 to basically be Army of Darkness. And the studio said, no, you have to make the sequel more similar to the first one. And then they came up with Evil Dead 2. Wow. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. So they, they just said, fuck you. Here's this movie that's very, very similar to the first movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If that's what you guys really wanted. <laughs> but then you get the points <laughs> yes. where it's like, you get the fun shit. You get the, you get the deer head with the, the puppet and then the, all the shit on the walls moving and him going crazy. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I see, I can understand like liking that about equal as the first one. Uh, but Army of Darkness, I think it is, it's such a, it's, it's not, it's, it's an action movie with horror elements, I guess. Not even a scary action movie. Um, 
it's got the camp of you know the original evil deads but or at least evil dead 2 i'd say but um i think it's definitely uh worth a watch if you kind of go with that in mind it's kind of like action movie duke nukem quotes <laughs> yeah so i'm assuming he says groovy way more in army of darkness groovy. he says groovy probably twice i could okay. be wrong <laughs> okay <laughs> maybe three times maybe <laughs> twice <laughs> yes groovy. Yeah, um, so another movie I, you know, would want to talk about because uh, these are probably my go-to horror movies, and I know they're cheesy, but um, I can never go wrong with them is the Final Destination movies. What are your opinion on Final Destination? Wow, Final Destination. It's, it's, I, I loved the first one. I... I was I I saw a lot of the when I was a little kid saw the second one all the deaths but I mean ultimately it is I think it is a very good franchise it is unique it does I mean the fact that it has like a killer without having a killer is so fun and they just have the it, it, it's a way for them to write all these crazy deaths and so you, you, it's it's your. Would you say it's your go-to like horror franchise? Yeah, I mean it's the one where I've seen every single one at least once, and um, actually, I think that it the first one might be the well. No, it was the third one, and it was like one of the first rated R movies I saw all the way through, uncensored, not on TV. Wow! We were, yeah, we were on vacation in Washington D.C. My family and they had like HBO, and I watched the whole thing. So I have like good memories from that. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's one for the books. You'll I, your first rated R movie. Well, uncensored <laughs> yes. rated R movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. I mean, it might not be, but it's the first one that I like really remember. You know, watching it intently the whole time. Um, and I do think there is like an interesting kind of. Uh, it represents a cultural uh, phenomenon or fear where, like, you know, in the late seventies and 80s uh slasher movies uh kind of preyed on this fear of like what's lurking underneath the suburbs you know like or that was kind mm, of yeah. the main thrust of the uh, that kind of subgenre or like i guess friday the 13th was more like what what are the kids getting into they're gonna die from all their hijinks or whatever but um yeah with Final Destination, I feel like the kind of fear um, in society was more like diffuse and like disseminated all over. Like you never know what's gonna happen. Like and very much treating like um, you know the destruction and death and and the things we fear are. Um, kind of like laws of nature like you can't avoid them um it, mm. it's more of like an authoritarian type fear uh does any do you are you on board with any of that 
No, absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree because it's, it's one of those things where I feel like the films of the time really reflect how we feel culturally because, I mean, you look at the serial killer movies of the 80s, 70s, that's, that's was the prevailing fear was, um, hey, you could be fucking killed by the Zodiac killer. But, you know, by the time Final Destination comes out, that's, you know, we're living... Well, I mean, the first one was 2000. But Final Destination, it's a lot of, yeah, like you were saying, praise on the unpredictable. We, you know, we don't know if 9-11 would happen. We don't know if the fucking, uh, uh, what was it, the uh, um, Unabomber, shit like that. It's like uh, fear of the unknown, like taken to the ultimate level. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, even though the first one came out before um, 9-11, you can almost read it as like, oh, well, if you manage to um, have like a premonition that 9-11 was happening and you didn't board the plane, like you still couldn't escape the terror that followed kind of. Yeah. And that's that's scary. Yes. And um yeah, and I mean, they just have, like, fun deaths, honestly. Yeah, for real. It's like, there's, so there's like, the, I mean, there's countless you could name, but, like, the the uh, the guy getting cut in half by the barbed wire in two, I think it's, like, three or four, there was, like, this gymnast who died crazily. Oh, yeah, I think that it was in four. Oh, that one was nuts. It's, I mean, like even the first one, what was the, the big one with that? Maybe like the, I don't know. The first one was, I don't know. It is a crazy franchise, but yeah, a lot of notable deaths. Yeah. I think the one, I'm pretty sure this is in the first one, but the one I always remember is like when someone is like about to die in their apartment and it's this big long sequence and you're like, Oh wow. They get out on the fire escape and they're about to escape. And then they like fall off the fire escape and then the ladder falls and like crushes their face. And like, oh my God. you think they actually escaped it, but they did not. <laughs> it was the old Chekhov's, spaghetti <laughs> he tripped on the spaghetti <laughs> wait is that really what it was <laughs> yes it was the beginning oh, of the yeah, scene that's he right. threw yeah. it out the window like a real jerk <laughs> yeah you're right that's it <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah it's it's i mean again like uh kind of going to the what audiences fear i feel like this is final destination is a franchise that a lot of people are still to this day afraid to drive behind those big logging trucks because they literally say specifically Final Destination 2. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I think it is absolutely it's it's one of those franchises that is up there, I would say. Yeah, but you notice people don't tend to... Well, maybe they do, but I haven't noticed anyone tend to say uh, they won't get on a roller coaster because of Final Destination 3. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> but I yeah. refuse to throw spaghetti out the window because of that. <laughs> yes. You get thrown off the plane all because Brownie has a bad dream? I saw it. The plane, it's gonna blow up, it's gonna blow up. 
let's see. I mean, there's plenty of movies I could talk. Any other more you want to touch on before we move on? The the only... I, I haven't seen that many horror movies recently, except for, uh, I, I would say, a really underrated horror movie. Some people would call it kind of a suspense, but I, I would say it's more horror. I guess it would be The Guest. I think it was 2014. Uh, directed by Adam Wingard, and it's starring, what's his name? Dan Stevens, who was in uh, uh, Legion. He was also in Downton Abbey, I believe. But it is a movie that kind of, I guess, the best way to describe it, I think even the creator did, would be if Michael Myers didn't wear the mask. And so you have this guy coming into these people's lives who is this big intimidating guy who's, you know, you think you know his face, but really he's a psycho killer. Uh, it's, it's a very intense, I would say edge of your seat, kind of suspense, kind of horror movie. And it really does go into kind of scary territory, I would say, but because of like his demeanor and his, like as uh, performance, I would say mostly, but, the soundtrack is great as well. Another, I love horror movies with great soundtracks, but definitely The Guest is a uh, one I would recommend. Interesting, uh, yeah, because I've heard of that, but not a whole lot. Um, I would like to check that out. I think. Yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend you check it out. Yeah, and so I'll mention one last movie I've seen recently that. Um, I thought was decent. I wouldn't say it's great, but I'd probably recommend it if it sounds cool to you. It's called It's It Comes at Night. Have you seen that? That sounds that sounds familiar. What's that about? So, I'll I'll give a minor spoiler, but I think this would be good to know um so people don't get their hopes up. Nothing particularly comes at night. <laughs> perfect <laughs> but um it's like a post-apocalyptic horror movie about a family who is at this homestead and um they encounter this guy who breaks into their home and he's like look don't kill me i'm trying to find water for my wife and kids and then um the the family's really skeptical because you know anyone could have this like disease and but then they finally are like okay you can come live with us and it's about these like two families who are like deeply skeptical of each other because they could have a disease but they're like living in the same homestead together Mm, interesting is it is it one of those movies where you can kind of draw parallels of character actions with kind of current i mean going back to our first topic of COVID-19 is this one of those movies where you can kind of like draw parallels to kind of today I definitely think so I well I think it may have came out um a little before COVID let me 2017 see okay yeah so um yeah I would say it does feature an element of modern society in the sense that like it really um, impresses upon you a like fear of other people. Ah, okay. 
And I mean, I feel like that is kind of a trait of right now. Maybe that's always been part of like American paranoia. But yeah, I do feel like people are a lot more isolated and skeptical and closed off from other people these days. That that is a very good. I'm honestly that is a very good point. A lot of the horror movies, especially, have been isolated, like Bird Box. Uh, what is the um, the one with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt? Um, uh, a, a Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. A, a lot of those do feel like isolated stories, and uh, yeah, you know, like American isolate isolationism is at an all time high. I feel, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those kind of slower horror movies. It's, um, yeah, I'd say it's it's decent, but uh, if it sounds, if you like post-apocalyptic stuff, you would probably like it. Now, is it, it is it a, is it a monster movie, would you say? Or is it, it or, like, when you say it comes at night, like, there is there any kind of allusion to a monster, or is it literally just, like, the disease is the is is what comes at night metaphorically there are a couple of moments that kind of suggest there could be a monster but you can't tell if it's like a dream or if it's real like um the more like supernatural element is very much in the background and just kind of like alluded to okay interesting i like that I, i'll have to check that one out yeah, and I will say, I think the title, um, It Comes at Night, might refer to, because it seems like a lot of the people, or maybe every case, they started developing the symptoms of the disease at night. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I think that might be what the title alludes to. Ah, uh, okay. Because, yeah, because... I mean, for me, I would say it comes at night. It, that kind of evokes a, uh, something. Something is coming. A thing. <laughs> yeah. It. It is a thing. It <laughs> being a noun. Person, place, Absolutely. or thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I guess a thing is a disease, but whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so you did you you said you just recently watched that? Is that the most recent horror movie you watched, or was that the Evil Dead movies? Um, well, Titan, if you count that as a horror movie, was oh. the most recent one I watched. Um, and then I guess one other that I did watch recently and wanted to talk about is Malignant. Did you see that? I have not seen it. Everybody's been talking about it. Everybody's been raving about it, I would say. Are you in, are you in the camp of those people that loves Malignant? I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if I'd say I loved it, but um, the the twist is rather shocking, and the change in tone in the last half hour or so is like <laughs> honestly pretty funny. Yeah, from from what I've heard, I think that the twist in the last half hour is really what. I mean, James Wan, the director, he originally did Saw, but then he did like Fast and the Furious. And it's like, okay, that kind of, I'm really interested interested to see that last part of the movie, knowing the action movies he's directed. 
<laughs> yeah, and I also one other thing I kind of was thinking about it is like uh, horror movies go horror movies go in a cycle from kind of very like material and like um, down to earth, and then within like twenty years they'll be like kind of ridiculous. So I think about like mm-hmm. you know you get Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then within twenty years you have like. Uh, like Jason takes Manhattan or like Jason in space and it's they're still kind of in the same lineage but get more ridiculous you know what I mean yeah absolutely and I feel like Malignant is like if you follow the chain of like um, paranormal activity kind of to like yeah like uh, Mm. his other (laughs) horror movies through like um I don't know, like Sinister and uh, all those like one adjective titled um, horror horror movies. Eventually, you end up at Malignant. Okay, yeah, it's the it's the uh, the mutated kind of uh, bastardization of of the uh, uh, paranormal. I guess kind of that's really interesting. I like that. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a way for the the genre to develop, and I, and honestly, in this like really interesting way. That's yeah, do really you cool. know anything about how it ends? Yes, I I, okay. I ended up reading the the synopsis of it because I was just so interested. Like, like, <laughs> I, I, like literally everyone was harking on the twist of it, being like, "Oh, the twist is crazy. The twist is this, blah blah blah." And yeah, just uh, I think it's. I think it's a very, if you're going to go for a horror movie and you want to be crazy, be crazy. Yeah. And the way they like visually reveal the twist is, um, is part of the shocking part because the movie is pretty like, um, you know, you don't see a whole lot that is particularly otherworldly seeming. And then it just like pans the camera and you see uh, an extremely like grotesque um, <laughs> figure like growing out of someone's back. So <laughs> you're like, what the hell? And yeah. It's a real shock right there. That, that <laughs> reveal sounds like. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I did really want it because I know that um, online, do you want to plug where you uh, have streamed playing Resident Evil? Oh, yes. Uh, Resident Evil, I have played on my YouTube channel, which you can find. My name is Pizza Boyfriend, but it's Pizza Boyfriend Gaming is the URL at YouTube.com. Um, and I also stream on Twitch at Pizza Boyfriend. Yeah, so I did, you know, watch a little bit of you playing Resident Evil because I have a curiosity about horror games, but uh, I, I, I don't do well with them. I kind of am like, okay, play for a few hours. Like, that scared me enough and then move on. But I wanted to ask you for a recommendation because I... Um, I used to feel the same about stealth games until I played Hitman. Have you played Hitman? Oh, yes. Uh, Hitman is a fantastic stealth game. Now, did you play like the new rebooted one like on PS4? 
Yeah, I've played Hitman 1 and Hitman 2. I haven't bought the third one yet, but I played those really thoroughly. I love the like social disguise element, and um, that kind of turned me on to stealth games a little more. Uh, so, yeah, could you think of any like horror games that might be uh, accessible to people who don't conventionally like like your regular old like say Resident Evil or Silent Hill style horror game? Absolutely. Um, well, Resident Evil right off the bat. Normally, one would think like the fixed camera perspectives and the tank controls, but Resident Evil 4 is one of those games that is on every console, and it is it has, I would say, the most direct gameplay, uh, I guess, style that correlates to most third-person shooters these days. So you're still going to get like a scary video game, but it's still a really nice game to control. Um, so like gameplay-wise, if you're looking for a video game, I would definitely recommend Resident Evil 4 because it's like, again, it's literally on everything. It's on Switch, it's on PC, it's on whatever. Yeah, but, I have a question yeah. about that, actually, because I tried to play uh, Resident Evil 4 through, like, PS Now, and I noticed that I was having a hard time with the controls at first. Like, um, was is there, like, a way to, like, turn on more conventional controls? Because I felt like I was still, maybe not, like, tank controls, but I felt like I was, like, clunking around a little bit. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, because you still do have that like stop and shoot kind of thing. Okay, if, yeah. If that's what you're looking for, then honestly, Resident Evil 5 is I think you can switch to like more conventional controls for that. But that is still like a a horror game. It's still like a fun horror experience, I would say. Um but yeah, I would say recommend I like Resident Evil 4 through 6. Those are like very out of the whole series, I would say the 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 most I would say the the the, the most fun to play, I would say arguably. Cuz the rest like 1 through 3 are more horror, they're more tank controls. 7 and 8 or sorry, 8 and 9 I should say. No wait, 7 and 8. Yeah, sorry. Those are first person uh very very horror games. Um but yeah, four through six, honestly, any of those, I think five and six, you can change the controls at least. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. And um, yeah, because like the, the horror games I remember playing the most were probably Doom 3, which I kind of had fun with back in the day. Um, and also Dead Space. Have you played either of those? Oh, yes. Dead Space. Big fan of Dead Space. I was actually going to recommend that one, too. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that was one horror game I did have fun with. And I guess, like, in a way, like, I feel like Bioshock is almost a horror game. Like, I don't yeah. know if it was advertised as such, but I got scared by it. Absolutely. You go to that, especially I would say the Sander Cohen section where everyone's like a statue. That's a horror movie. That's so scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I even remember like getting super scared playing like Fallout 3 though. 
Oh yeah, Fallout Three. That that that's definitely got scary moments, especially when you're underground. It's dark. You can't see anything, and then you hear some crazy sounds. Yeah, or like I I'd also just I have a tendency to play games at low volumes, so like I just like turn around, not hear anything, and have like as one of those like undead looking things right in my face, but or the ghouls or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah those those yeah creeps i would say um but yeah honestly like like bioshock which is a good like segue to my next recommendation if you're looking for a game like bioshock that's a little more horror i would say argue it would be prey this is the uh i i think it came out in 2016 or 17 I want to say 2017, but it is a first person similar to Bioshock. It is, you know, you interact with everything in the environment. Um, but it's goo monsters. It's very hard sci-fi, I would say. It's space. It is, uh, but it's not, it's not exactly Star Trek, I would say, but it's still very sci-fi interesting yeah i've heard a little bit about those games but are they kind of like um have like rpg elements or like light rpg elements stuff like that absolutely yeah it it definitely has a skill tree system and you can build out like your abilities and your your different uh, uh strengths and weaknesses and a cool part about the game is that you can, uh, these aliens, I forgot the name of them. Well, let's just call them blob guys. You can kind of, uh, uh, spec your powers to be more like them. So you can like mimic things. You can, uh, um, uh, like basically anything around the, the world, like a coffee cup, you turn into a coffee cup. Um, things like that. It's like crazy sci-fi spooky powers, and there's some jump scares in the game, and there's some big scary guys that are big and they're going to come get you, and I recommend it. Yeah, that's good to know. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. And listen, if you have any more um, horror movies or horror games you want to talk about, I would like to hear about them, but I think I, I've said my piece for the most part. Hmm. I I I think we've had a a very nice a lot of a lot of cool things to talk about in this episode. I think I've said my part too. Yeah. Well, happy Halloween. And um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I know you mentioned your YouTube and Twitch earlier, but you want to plug that or anything else at the end? Uh, thank you for watching. By the way, thank you for watching the YouTube. I appreciate that, Christian. Absolutely. Um, this the sweet. This uh, I I I'm on Twitch. I'm on YouTube at Pizza Boyfriend. I am on Instagram and Twitter, John Carroll, but no vowels and an underscore at the end. It's easier to find Pizza Boyfriend, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, Happy Halloween. I think it's. I hope you have a happy Halloween. Uh, I hope you have some fun horror movies to watch next week. Yeah. Thank you. You too. And. Um, yeah, I actually will go to a couple Halloween parties this year. I uh, I have an old Soviet hockey jersey I was going to wear, but it, I washed <laughs> it and it kind of shrank a lot. And so 
I that res- sucks. I oh. know it does. I Damn. might be able to like stretch it out or something, but I was like, uh, went to Amazon, resorted to Amazon, bought a Santa Claus shirt and a Santa Claus hat, and I'm uh. trying to grow out my beard. It's maybe like two centimeters length by now, mm-hmm. so uh, I'll get, do a minor Santa costume. I like that. That's good. I, I, <laughs> Christmas on Halloween is hilarious, so I'm all for that. Yeah, I know that I'll wear the t-shirt again. It's a novel t-shirt, so why not? And I'll I'll just use the Santa hat around Christmas, but Nice. That's that's I that's funny. I love that. <laughs> but great. yeah, so uh for the listener, um you can follow me personally on Twitter at Christian Cool. You can follow the show on Twitter at society underscore show. And if you want to find out the show's email, um, go to the show's Twitch channel, um, anything like that, you can go to societyshow.net. There's all the info there. John, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Christian. I had a blast, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, have a good one. You too.